guys welcome back to the little bit strange podcast we got a good friend of the show friend of mine from the industry mr tony petronella aka anthony the big dog i don't know what that means we make up shit as we go along here uh he is a proud owner of scholars and scoundrels one of the best restaurants you're gonna find anywhere without a doubt doesn't matter whether it's the katie or the sugar land location every time it's good it's great food awesome drinks come check them out if you can scholars and scoundrels tony say hi to everybody hey guys how y'all doing today they can't hear you. <laughs> Hello. Hey, guys. How no, y'all doing? They can hear you, oh, but man. they can't respond oh, I got to you. you. I got you. I got you. Sorry, man. I'm, I'm, more, I'm used to more of the face-to-face -face interaction. Getting used to this so podcast. So I got to ask. I got to ask. How did you guys come up with the name Scholars and Scoundrels? Well, that's a drunk story. Uh, Best so, kind. <laughs> so uh, me, and, uh, me and the other partner, Chad. Uh, Shout we, out, Chad. Uh, uh, we came up with this at night. So we had already had another name picked out. We had a whole nother logo. We'd gone through all that, and it just never really felt right. And we went and we we borrowed a buddy's lake house, and we pretty much we set up a bonfire. I think we pretty much we burnt down almost a whole tree that day. Not like a tree in the way you're thinking of a tree is like a twig, but it sounds better when you say tree. But we end up. <laughs> oh, so it was like a little four. Five, yeah, five, it was like a little. Like, 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 like you gotta say you tree. you don't know whether uh, like you know. I don't know. I I don't know. There's pitas for trees, but I don't <laughs> get crucified. Yeah, there is. This there was is, not. This beans. was nothing like that. We we uh, but anyway, so we're we're sitting there, we're drinking, and he found this this quote. Said it's like part of a bio. Um, um, sow lizard. Um, Oh man! Anyway, we did. We we took his quote and we changed it, and uh, uh, kind of we, we took the idea of what his quote was, I think, and then basically the way we've we've ended up saying it now. It's I'm a poet, I'm a pirate, I'm a lover and fighter, but most of all, I'm a scholar and a scoundrel, and it just rang true. Nice, um, it's nice. that idea is that we work hard, we play hard. You know, I'll work 14, 15 hours in a day, but when I get off work, I'm gonna go and have a beer. I'm going to go and I'm going to do those things. You know, it's whether you're the janitor or the CEO, you can go to the same place and have a beer. That was kind of the idea. And I feel like when you say I'm a scholar and a scoundrel, that's what that, that kind of um, incorporates. Cool, cool. That's actually a pretty cool story. I never knew that myself. I always wanted to ask you guys, and usually when we get together, we're all kind of coming down at the end of work. And, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, sure, not, sure. it's a drunken fest sometimes, sometimes. But that's an interesting story, man. So how long have you been in the industry? I have been in, oh, man, you're going to make me do math here. Hold on, dude. <laughs> Numbers gotta, are hard. I know. All right, now i got to start taking on my shoes and get my toes involved, dude. We're over please 10. Please don't. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> this is a family show. Uh, uh, 16 years? I can count to 23. I, I'm, I'm 16 years. Chad is 20-plus. I don't know exactly how long Chad is. Chad, Chad is, is Navy. He's, he's all the way military. Um, was was a cook in the military and Ooh. was a private chef to an admiral and a captain. Oh, nice. And then I'm more self-taught where my first job, I bowled and sold crawfish. I ran a couple crawfish trailers um, back in 2003, 2004, time, timeline around there. Oh, good times. Yeah. Good yeah. times. Yeah, that was back when I, I remember selling crawfish out of the place for cooked at 99 cents a pound. So, so you've been in the industry for a minute here. I yeah. gotta ask, what what's the worst job you've ever had in this industry? Oh, the worst job, man. <laughs> Please, no names. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the worst place I work. So, I mean, again, you're talking position wise. 
Uh, I think the hardest. I, yeah. I, I think the, the the least fun job that you'll find. I don't think it's the worst. Uh, is definitely in well, some of the, the hardcore. Well, that's the worst to me. Is the, yeah. is the least fun. It, the it, one is, that you're like, is, son of a bitch, I gotta work. <laughs> it, it's, it's dishwashing in some of the hardcore, the, the hardcore places. Oh, um, back of the houses you know, has always been the hardest. But it's it's the cheese. It's the, it's a stuck on cheese. It's the places that don't that don't make the the cooks soak it and so all of a sudden you're getting this and you're not have to take a knife just to scrape the cheese off the side of it doesn't get off then soak it then scrape it all off like those are bad i mean i've worked other dishwashing positions where they're not that bad and i can crank it out Um, it's one of the things that actually we we put a lot of thought into every position here because me and chad have been in the industry we definitely want it to be an industry restaurant i will say this i will say this it does shine through that you guys have been part of this industry you know what people expect from a customer and an employee standpoint and how to make both happy well we definitely wanted to be employee driven because i think the restaurant business has kind of got away from that a little bit um and the truth is is because you're always told the customer is always right you know you you, you're you're brought up told wrong i'm here to break it to you customers wrong Uh, the the greatest advice i ever got was someone told me the customer is always the customer as long as you remember that you can make every decision you need to make uh, it's not that they're always right. But with that is you're always so customer focused because it's always about the customer. It's about the customer. And if I don't have customers, you're right. I don't make money. But if I don't have employees that are willing to sell to customers, I don't make money either. Right. And if I have a happy employee, I feel like they're more willing to to take care of the customer. That, that they want to because they're on my side and they also know that I'm on theirs. You know, we're doing this together. I'm very blunt up front. I'm going to let you know. Here it is. I, I, you know, again, my goal is to make money eventually, right? I think everybody is, but money is the least of my worries. I enjoy this business because I enjoy I enjoy the service side of it. I enjoy the chaos side of it. I enjoy replicating a product that when you watch people eat and you really do it correctly, they light up the first time they eat it. Now, yeah. I, I got to ask, do you get like a high watching people who have kind of come in here for the first time and sit down and try something that maybe they wouldn't necessarily have tried anywhere else? And just seeing that look on their face of like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. I love the entire concept. I think I think now, again, when you first open, yes. You know, and it's hard to sit there. You know, you're trying to say, like, I don't get the same. You know, you're always reaching that for that last high, right? You know, um, but, you know, the first couple of those first couple of weeks, you know, we kept getting we kept getting such great responses and I wasn't getting any negative feedback and knock on wood. You know, I don't uh, I don't I don't I don't start all of a sudden receiving much of negative is everybody was enjoying our product. I think the the rush now is the fact that even though we've been doing this for so long, that we're still we're having that 98 percent success rate of people loving our food, because, again, food is a personal choice, you know. Where depending on where you grow up is depends on your spice level and right. you know Food, the music same yeah, kind of thing right yeah like, the farther north you go you're gonna see less spicy right you know and if you look at environment because it's colder up there because you don't want to sweat so you keep your body temperature up there's all sorts of things that that affect it you know just different areas different ways you were raised you know um, again there's all these different cuisines and the fact that we're winning as much as we are just shows that we spoke not only to a large majority but our, our food is good like we, we took the time everything we make here we make ourselves our seasonings our dressings our our cocktail our tartar our mustard our ketchup 
There's no. literally you cannot get my food anywhere else. I still want a bottle of ketchup. I'm I'm just saying. Like, we are working on that. We haven't gotten that far yet, but we are working on that. I'm just saying. As, There's a as, whole lot of licenses and labeling that again. It's all the, the so it's the, all it's all the the red tape that you didn't know you were gonna have to go through to sell something, but. You know, you got to go then, through this. Then we'll go ahead and we'll just say coming soon, Scholars and Scoundrels Ketchup. We're probably going to get our seasonings out there first. Like we have an all-purpose steak seasoning that we use for steaks, but we basically use it as an all-purpose seasoning that we're probably going to get out there. We have a blackened seasoning and then our crawfish seasoning. Those no. are the three that we're going to have. Those will probably hopefully be on shelves sooner than later. Now, the ketchup and mustard, you have a whole more, you know, levels of acidity and, you know, Right, all now, that stuff. do you guys farm out locally for ingredients? Uh, so, we don't... Or what you can, at least. If we do, it's just, it's difficult. In, in the Katy area, it's difficult. Even the places that say they do, it's a lot, e it's, it's a lot easier said than done. Right. You know, like, again, we have, one of my, my biggest customers is a, a produce guy. And I've been trying for the last year to go through him more, but he doesn't produce enough produce for me to go local, you know. And then to go one hundred percent local. Yeah, exactly. And then um, we do as much as it can, like like our, our ground beef, our um, well, that's kind of our smart. steaks. All that stuff is local. I mean, it's not local, local, but it's local. Uh, and what I mean that we're talking Columbus versus coming out of out of Katy, right? Um, but it, it's not it's it's hard to do that extreme local and like we've partnered up with places um like we partnered up uh we partnered up with brett's um down the street to do our port and that's a partnership um and i think that's small business keeping it local it's stuff that it was a couple of things that right. we didn't want to cook right. ourselves but i'd rather pay extra and get a better quality product and again now you're you're again you're local you're sourcing things locally Right, yeah. right. And again, I mean, that's smart because then you're dependent upon local market, local local weather. Yeah. Like if we have a cold winter or something, then you could be out of a product that could be one of your f uh, main ingredient, one of your more famous dishes. Yeah. So. Well, and again, the thing, other thing that we have here is we don't have, really have freezers. I only use freezers basically for prep. So there's nothing, nothing's getting, we're not like just freezing a whole bunch of stuff and giving it to you. Um, like when I say everything's made fresh, it's it's made fresh. You know, it's we, we don't we're not looking here. We have a small walk-in because again we want product to turn fast. So we're not literally holding stuff very long. And again, everything is right. Made the longer us. you hold it, the worse the quality gets. I mean, yeah. that's that's just the way it is. So I gotta ask, like, who's your who's your business hero? Like, who really influenced you into doing what you do now? Man, those are tough it, questions. It, well, it doesn't have to be one person. Who's I mean, my, who's my role model, right? That's what you're asking me. Well, it could be a group. Uh, it could be it could be three, four, five different people. It could be one specific person. I would say, who influenced you the most in this business? In this business, who's influenced? Like you're talking a restaurant business, um, and particularly restaurant and bar. I, you know, I have a lot of different role models when it comes this way um it's hard for me to say that um i'm gonna sound very cocky and conceited right now but uh i'm a very self-motivated person and i decided that this is a path i was going to take a long time ago way before i almost i even got into restaurant business mainly i was me going to own my own business i was going to do all those type of things because i have different role models um and I, we can go through those those are really easy for me to tell you but if you're talking about my direct role model in the restaurant business, um, 
uh, I, I learned a lot from from Kelly Messer. I also learned a lot from uh, from Mo Jeldarza the Junior. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from a lot of different places, um, but I would say out of the two people I learned most from, I learned from them. Um, I learned a lot of. Uh, I learned a lot of what it meant to give good service, and uh, and I think that's the start of art of every business. When it comes to everything else, I think a lot of it was already business intuition and and role models that I had previously. In, in life, but I think learning how to give good service, especially in this industry, um, um, means a lot. Um, good good service is easily it shows. said. It shows. Yeah, good service is easily said. It's not easily done. Right. Um, so right. And, and good sir, bad service can kill a good restaurant. Yeah. You and I have both seen that time and time again throughout this industry. Bad service can kill a restaurant, bar, nightclub, whatever, <laughs> as almost as much as bad location. Right. Well, the truth is, I mean, there's good food now anywhere. You know, true. And I think lo- I think location a little bit has changed because of all the social media and all the different styles of marketing. It's lessened. I, I'm not. It's still important having a great location. Great location can save you, but a great lo- a location isn't isn't as I don't think as a um, how how. It's what's not as big a factor as it's it used to be. Not as big a factor as it used to be. Yes, because it used to be. It still is a big factor, but it's not as big a factor as it used to be. I mean, I'm old. I remember time before internet and social mm-hmm. media. And if a restaurant came out, it was always about the premium location. Yeah. And you're right. Nowadays, that that's not necessary. You didn't have access to everybody. If they didn't drive by I and see you. I can be off the beaten path a little bit. But mm-hmm. if I have the right marketing and the right right promotion, yeah. people are going to come there. People yeah. are more willing to come to some place that they know and see than they are someplace that's convenient. Yeah. And before, even... Even five, six years earlier, if you didn't drive by it, you were less likely to go into it. Right. You know, where now there's there's restaurants that I see on Facebook or I see on these things that I'm willing to drive out of the way to go try that I would have never even knew existed. Oh, exactly. Uh, you go down through some of the neighborhoods now, and these little bitty, like, five, six shop strip centers have popped up, and there's almost always a restaurant or a bar in those. And nine times out of ten, they're really nice, really cool places, but just nobody ever goes. Well, nowadays, people go to those places because they see, oh, my friend went there and took a picture of this, and that's what it looks. I I have to admit, your guys' social media presence is impressive. It is very, very impressive how well you guys interact with people, even when it comes down to the negative aspects of somebody complaining. You guys have approached it a very, very professional way. I think we we definitely wanted to be be different i never wanted to follow the norms i've never been that guy. oh you're different but like uh, yeah <laughs> we're, we're not gonna get in that conversation okay yeah uh, <laughs> uh, but um i always wanted cough helmet cough uh and i also never wanted to be taken so seriously because the truth is when it comes to this man it's not that serious like right, i hate to tell you this like some like even when it comes to good service or bad service like and it, don't get me wrong. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But don't worry, we're not CNN or Fox it's, News. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. We don't right again. We're not. We're not. We're not face to face. So these conversations are a little different. But it's just, it's just not that serious, you know. And again, I understand. I understand if, if that server forgot that drink refill and that drink was empty for a while. But when when you when you sit there and you go and you're, you're blasting people on social media, you know, that's. It's not the same. You're, you're, you're costing people money, and 
I again, even when it comes to those reviews or you know yada yada, and thank thankfully, you know um, my staff has really kind of taken to our, our plan, and and we don't get those those reviews, we don't get those reviews because we give such great service and everybody right. understands what I expect from them and. I think everybody understands once I explain to them what it means to really give good service, and most of it's just to care, just to care enough to try to give good service. If you do go base your life on that little bitty thing in the restaurant world, just care enough to try, you'll give good service, because people will feel feel that from you, you know. But if you don't care, if you don't care at all, and you're like, I don't care whether you get a drink, or I don't care when your food comes out, or I don't care that you're going to get bad service, and those are the things that blow up. But it's also to know the difference is, is my concept isn't isn't for everybody. Right. Why should I acknowledge uh, sometimes a mistake is when that mistake's based on you? And we saw a lot at the beginning where you know people are like, well, you want you should have chips and salsa on your menu. I'm like, well, I don't want to have chips and salsa on my menu. Like right. you know, what I'm you, saying that's just not you, me. You know. But there again, that also comes down to the. This is a very sensitive subject, and we can even get onto it a little bit if you want. It's the People thinking their opinion is fact. Yes. And or opinions being presented as fact. Well, I think I think more people have a have an ability to speak their opinion and be heard. And agreed, one hundred percent agreed. I think there's good and bad. And, and to, I think there's good and bad to that. And and well, they also have ways to for more people that agree with them to find them. Yes. You, you you become more justified in what you're doing because you constantly have other people going, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're right, yeah, you should, yeah, you, that's okay. When in reality, it's really not. Again, it's it's the whole law of statistics. The farther you, the more numbers you get, the more true you can see whether someone's succeeding or failing, and what they're doing. And but you can take let the score speak for itself. Yeah. But you can take small samples, and you could you can find something negative in everybody. I don't care where you go. Um, you can find negative work. You can find negative things because people are human. They're going to make mistakes. So when it comes down to all of this and, you know, kind of what we're going, when it comes to reviews and things like that, I try to take them all with a grain of salt. Um, ones that I really feel where, hey, this is, a, this is an issue of training. This is an issue I need to correct. This is an issue that, that is going to stem long term. I, I take with 100% validity, and I go and I make – I literally make motions that day. Um, some of the rest of them, the majority of the ones, are things that I wish you would have brought to my attention normally in the restaurant because they're like, oh, your burger's salty. Well, then I find out that it's a training in the cook because they don't realize that we we are we seasoned our patty throughout. So, well, they came from a different place where they had to add salt and pepper afterwards or what our all-purpose right, seasoning is right. afterwards. So all of a sudden it came a, out too salty because thing. he's a brand-new cook. Well, if you would have brought that to me at a restaurant, I probably could have saved an extra 30 plates that went out or someone thought the same thing and no one said anything, but you instead waited, went home, decided to post on Facebook. Eat the meal. That's my thing yeah. is they eat the meal and then go, this was horrible. Yeah. Well, then why did you eat it? Yeah. I'm like just sometimes just communicating with the management staff about what you dislike and what you what you don't like. Hey, it's great. And now if it comes to being a server situation, I totally understand if you want to wait to the house and then post on Facebook and that way you contact me yes, about service. Hey, you have that right because, again, I would not want to confront my server. You know, I, I can I can see that being 
you know, hey, you don't want to cause conflict. But when it comes to food quality, things like that, well, nobody there's, intends. There's not there's one. Difference. There's not one restaurant or business owner that tends to serve you something crap that right. you're not going to like. That, well, they that did not create their menu to not get good food. That's right. not what it is. So you should. So if you don't like their food, to to be feeling to comment on it, to to say something, you know, gives us feedback on something that could be, like I said, it would be a simple training issue in the back. And there is difference between complaints and criticism. If you're criticizing that the burger, like the example you use, the burger is too salty. If you say it's too salty, that's a that's a criticism or con a constructive criticism mm -hmm. or whatever. It's you critiquing the food that you got. Yeah. A complaint comes down to your server, the restaurant's dirty, we were ignored, whatever it is. Criticism is not a complaint. There are, it is two different things. Yeah. A complaint is much harder to deal with than criticism. Uh, criticism can easily be dealt with, like the, like the case that you use, the burger's too salty. Well, there we go. We tell the cook right then and there, hey, man, this is the way we do it. You don't need to add in extra whatever. i give an example. The, the worst Facebook post that I had ever received that I think hurt the most, we were literally still in our soft opening stages. We had been open for a w almost a week. We opened for a week without telling anybody. This is when we, we opened location number one. And we were still we were still figuring stuff out. And uh, somebody commented that the tomato soup tasted like marinara. Well, if anybody you knows how to cook tomato soup, you keep heating up, it's gonna dehydrate, it's gonna thicken, it's gonna start turning into more of a marinara. And it was a simple training of saying, hey, you gotta add water, you gotta add milk, you gotta add liquid, you can't just let this sit on, you can't just let this sit in the steam bath all day. If they would have said that to me right then and there, I could have corrected, I could have taught it. We hadn't even been open a week. But you went and you decided to post in a very public forum, trash talking my food, when that's the type of information is the reason why you do a salt opening for you to tell me then and there. And I don't think people understand that. They just no, want no, they just want, want they just they just want their opinion to be out there so they get more more people to talk about it or, or they feel like well, they, they get they've their, done their studies answer. right and left that the high people get from seeing a like is the same or comparable to crack heroin. No, they've compared <laughs> it your brain activity is the same as heroin when you see that somebody liked it. When you see that somebody liked it and agreed with your criticism of someone else, whether that criticism is necessary or not or even warranted. And that's the problem is a lot of people want to be that critic. A lot of people want their opinion to be taken as fact. And in this business, it is very difficult to be able to go, hey, look, we understand your opinion, but this is the way we do it. Yeah. If, you, if you would like to give, like, constructive criticism. Well, I feel like that's something actually we, we've kind of done, and I, I've talked with a lot of my staff. I'm like, this is how we do things. Um, I consider us more of a host of a party, not a servant. So when you come in, it's like you're coming to my house, and this is how I want to host my party. So... It's you my can, party. You can, I can cry if I want to. Exactly. So you but come you in. Can't. You can come and enjoy it as how we're gonna do it, or, or you know, or, or just or, or not come back. And that sounds kind of harsh. And you know, we're we definitely want everybody to come up. And we obviously we've gotten good responses for it. You know, like I say it. You know, we we've already won best restaurant in Katy. Um, you know, we Houston Chronicle wrote us up for the number one restaurant with a drive out of Houston. Obviously, what we're doing is something that's working, you know, but again, it also goes to the baseline of, hey, this is how we intend to do things. 
So we might change the game on how everybody, how, how at least how you're used to getting this, but now, that's how we do it. I, I have a few friends that you can even ask if you want references on this one. I have to admit, man, when they did do the lockdown for COVID-19 and everybody's like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You guys were one of the first to step up and go, we have a system in place. Here we go. We're going to make it happen. We can still get you what you want. And I have been extremely impressed with not only what you guys do for that but what you've done for the first responders by g taking meals to the local hospitals like you don't have to do that by any means but you chose to because you like you said you're the host of a party what the party spills out into the neighbor's yard so be it i think the truth is it's more than just it's just us and i think if you, you ask chad you know and he's not here right now but and he will be a future guest, by yeah. the way. So we can talk a lot of trash yeah. about him now. But if you ask him and you ask me, it's never just been about us. You know, our first thing when this went down and it's just going on is, well, how do you, you got, you have, we have between both stores, we have 70 employees. Well, how do we make sure they're okay? Do they, are they going to have enough food? Are they going to have enough water? Those became my number one concerns before I realized about serving the customers. Because again, if they're going to shut us down, how are we going to make sure they're taken care of? You know, because right. it's more than just, just us at this point in time. And the truth is, it's more than just us and our 70 employees. It's a whole community right. of people. And, and, and that's, that's, a, that's one of the reasons that I've always been impressed with you from an industry standpoint, is you've always taken the concept of the higher up the ladder you go, the more people you have below you that you look out for, that you're responsible for, to a degree, to a degree. No, I no, I, again, and, I, and there again, you've always taken that challenge and ran with it. I, I think that's a responsibility of anybody that comes into any form of leadership role, you know, whether it be you're leading one person or you're leading 100. Um, I think if you're not looking at it as, as a group and as a, as a plan, you know, because there's going to be a lot. Because the thing is, the scariest Except part. Unless it's a conga line. If it's a conga yeah. line, you damn well better be the leader of that. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think it's anybody. Everybody's going to everybody's gonna have their moments of panic. And I don't care whether you're the highest up, whether you're President Trump or not. Um, I'm not going to say he probably hasn't had that moment of panic where all of a sudden you're realizing that, like, hey, I have all these people following me. and Just kind of goes gotta, off into a closet gotta, and screams, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. And they got to lead it some way or another. Um but I think if you're not thinking about those lines way ahead of, way ahead of you know, everything that's going on, then, then you're going to fail as a leader. And you're, you're not ready to be a leader yet. You know, I think that's, 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 those, are hard, those are hard pills to swallow sometimes that people that think they're a great leader. But if you're, not, not. If, you're not thinking, if you're not thinking that far ahead, then, then you're not ready no. to be one. Um, because a leader is just that, a leader. You're supposed to set the curve, not be part of the curve. Yeah, and a leader's Even way, we're trying to flatten the curve. A leader's way more than words. Which I like curves, but yeah. flat, uh, anyway. Yeah, leader, okay. leader, leaders are actions, not words. And I think that's, that's huge. Uh, a lot of people, we can get in that later, but. Wow, uh, wow. Get, you want another beer over there, man? You're hey, getting man. philosophical oh, on me. Oh, dude, you have no idea. Okay, man. so. One more beer, dude. I might be headbutting people. We don't know. Yeah, please don't, because <laughs> I'm the only one in here with you. So if you're seeing more than one, yeah, it's time to cut off the yeah. beer. Uh, okay, so you said a, m a minute ago that you knew a while back you were going to get into this industry. What did you want to do before then? 
I wanted to be a coach, to be honest. Uh, growing up, I always wanted to be a basketball coach. That was my passion. That was like uh, your dream job as a kid? Yeah. And even as I was getting older, I started realizing very quickly, I was like, I wanted to I wanted to coach college, and I wanted to uh, – I'm sorry, no, I, I, excuse me. I wanted to coach high school, and I wanted to teach college because I can't deal with these little preteen little a-holes. Uh, <laughs> let's just put it as they are. I can't deal with Call that. Call him as you see him with this um, one, man. Call but, him as you see him. This is and, part and, one. And part part of, two gets weird. Part of the reason why I, I felt uh, I, I fell in love with the restaurant business too and and realized I moved into management and to a, a leadership role very, very young. I mean, I was a GM basically of a restaurant by the time I was 21. I was running two different crawfish trailers with the – granted, it was only like a staff of 10, but I was 19 years old. I was – I was already in charge of people that were in their 30s. So I, I was in this leadership role at a very, very young age. Um, but I started really enjoying the fact that I was getting these these kids. It was their first job. They were still in high school, some of them. And I was getting to teach them what it meant to be part of the workforce. Now, coming as an athlete, you know, it, it was the idea that if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. It was a lot of those things at the beginning. But then it gets to the point where it's, you know, these these points where the anxiety to not take the test because of my my anxiety's up, and I'm like, your anxiety's high because you didn't study. Don't give me that. If you would have studied, you'd have you have no reason to be anxious. So no, you're not allowed to miss the test today. I and it got to a point where at one point in time we we're looking at this hostess and she's like, well, my parents says I don't have to take the test, you know, because of my anxiety. And I was like, well, if you're gonna work for me, you're never gonna miss a day where you have to take a test because of your anxiety. That means you need to study harder. And if you can't study because you're working for me, that's my fault. And then I'll, I will go find someone else to work those shifts. You know, and those were the type of things that I was able to start instilling right. in people because it was my way to get back to the workforce. Right. And you, then like, you always make them make the ones behind you better than yeah. you. And then as we've gone forward, we have as much as, man, I have a sweat pledge that you have to sign before I even employ you, you know, that just talks about how, you know, that my job, as much as I choose you as an employer to an employee, like, you know, saying I choose you to work for me, you choose me. You choose me as your boss. And if you don't understand that, it's a mutual choice. Oh, people. You know what I'm saying? Like, like your happiness. Bad jobs. People quit bad management, yeah. period. But the truth is happiness is on you. Happiness in your job is more on you than it is on me. Like, yes, I'm not saying that I'm not a part of it, right, you know, my structure. But, again, a lot of those structures and things were placed up front. And now you can't decide, you know, one year later that you get mad at them because you don't, you don't like it. Well, that's how it's been. So you either need to come and we can figure out a new solution together. And not not every owner or boss is going to be that way. No. I feel like I'm a more open one. We're like, hey, let's talk this out. I don't know all the answers. But I'm not going to say everyone is. But, again, it's still on you. Every day you collect a paycheck, you're accepting the, you're accepting the work environment that is now. So Self-help book by Tony coming soon. <laughs> just, just saying. So, again, a lot of our sweat pledge is just a reminder of that. And a reminder that our work ethic is on us. It has nothing to do with your boss, another employee. It doesn't have to do with me holding a gun to your head saying, hey, you got to work this and you got to do this. You gotta. It's on you. Yeah, it's your you choice know? to work, but if you're going yeah. to work, work. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, cool. Okay. So uh, that's uh, queso. I don't know. I'm kind of hungry now. You mentioned <laughs> queso earlier, and I'm like, I need chips and salsa now. Uh, but I like a thick marinara. 
what are you talking about? Who right knows, now? man? I told We've you this thing gets weird. Yeah, it it right. gets weird as we try and find little like segues into different topics. <laughs> so, what are your personal like favorite drinks that you have here at the restaurant? Oh man! Like, what's your what's your favorite one to make? We'll start James. with it. I said make, not drink. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything Out of your mixed drinks. Any man. beer that Rum comes. Anything, count. any beer that comes in a bottle. Man, I'll quit, I quit, dude. I quit drawing. Ah, bam, bam. Uh, the best bottle opener there is, huh? Man. Uh, so the favorite drinks that we have on the menu, like the what she's having, is really, really good. I will, I will note that these cocktails are not my own creation anymore, which is actually kind of hard for me to say. Um, for years, I've ran other people's restaurants. I made drink menus. I did all this, but. I also gave uh, I gave I gave Amber, my my bar manager Amber. I gave her the right to to make whatever drink she wanted, because I was given those rights when I was younger. I gave her. I didn't question. I said, "Hey, let's do it." And I will tell you this: we have sold more of our specialty drinks here than I have at any other restaurant or bar I've ever worked at. Um, okay, so what's your what's your top selling specialty? So, so the what she's having is kind of like our version of a blueberry lemon drop. Um, drink um, our whole line of mules, everything from our cucumber netty mule to our burro mango. Um, all of those mules um, sell great. Um, we also do a Rita de la Muerte, which we actually use fresh bell peppers in, uh, mango, oh, man, uh, jalap- uh, ghost pepper tequila. Um, we use those in. Th- those are all all great sellers. Um, she's definitely taking a a twist on the the craft cocktail. It's not the craft cocktail where we're not burning rosemary and we're going where it takes 45 minutes to make a drink. Right. They I are, don't need yeah. a goat sacrificed in the back parking lot. Exactly. They're, they are very what we call high-volume craft cocktails. Um, they have all the, the ideas of the flavors and the taste. The same way we create our food, it's all the same ideas on it, but they're created for speed and things like that because people want to drink do you guys do like seasonal drinks or anything like that we do we try to do about a a seasonal menu about every quarter or just different items where me and chad get to have fun um where if you ask any of our employees we're always doing something stupid in the kitchen some things taste good something tastes bad but we get in there and we just go crazy with it and see see how people like it so hey that's the only way that you know it's going to work because if you do it for one person and you put it on the menu yeah it might not work but if 30 people go hey that's good yeah, and again, like I said, 95% of ours are wins, and we kind of file them in our data bank for, you know, seasonal items. But I now, probably, there's probably a new menu item created here probably about once every two weeks. Do you do that with the the drinks as well? Does Amber do that with, like, we do springtime again, drinks, We do. A lot of that beers. depends, honest truths, a lot of that depends on the local distillers and things like that and when they're moving, and they bring us new liquors. You know, when you try a new liquor and – Y'all, the normal person might not be looking at it, but you're looking for what sweet notes are in it, what what, what are what different notes are in it, and then you, we take that and then we try to accent them. Um, so that's just kind of how it works, but it's hard to print a whole new menu every other day. you know. So we try to limit you know, kind of as we go through and, and, and go along with that. Right, right. Well, that's cool. So what's, uh, what's your number one food seller? Oh man! If I could tell anybody any anything, I tell or you. Or even your favorite to make. I tell you, I tell you to try the shrimp in a bag. The shrimp in a bag is probably our best selling item. <laughs> uh, I, I, what I say best selling item with the fact that 
I know once you try this, you'll understand how good our food is. Okay, so enlighten me. What's in the shrimp in the so bag? So the shrimp in the bag, it's uh, it's our boiled shrimp and our seasoned water. It's very similar to our crawfish water. Hot, um, hot It's oil? hot, hot okay. boiled shrimp. It comes with green beans, mushrooms, corn, um, and then we also put our garlic herb butter, and we literally serve it in a Ziploc bag. It's exactly what it sounds like. We let all those flavors steep together and the butter melts and all shake. And then we serve a cocktail if you want it for the people that are the hardcore shrimp and cocktail people. But it is absolutely amazing. Really? I'm, that's definitely going to have to be on my next yeah. next menu here. If I could pick something else, our kitchen sink nachos is another one of our, our I say our culinary things that we actually pay on. So first thing is, you know, we make our chips in-house. So they're thicker than normal chips. They're not going to be normal thin chips. So when we say nachos and you scoop, you're going to get your whole scoop. It's not going to break. You can get everything. Because yeah. if you get everything on one chip, it only counts as one nacho. Yeah, exactly. So you can get the whole thing in there. And then uh, we do our queso or chili, and then we put our scoundrel sauce, our avocado cream, and our sriracha sour cream. Now, our scoundrel sauce is basically our version of ketchup, which a lot of people think it's weird that I just told you I put ketchup on chili and queso. It but works. It works. The thing is, is that our it. It chili, <laughs> our chili has a sweetness in it. Now, our our version of ketchup is not your normal ketchup. This isn't fancy or Heinz ketchup that you're thinking of. Um, it's it's different. But when you taste it, it brings out that sweetness, and all of a sudden, it's, I it want works. bottles of yeah. this stuff. Like it's, I'm willing works, to buy yeah. bottles of it now. <laughs> it works, and it's it's absolutely amazing. It's another one of those things where I'm just like, hey, like this fucking works. F- cool, cool, cool. Now. I do have to admit, my favorite is probably either the the Walk of Shame, okay, uh, or the notori- Notorious <laughs> P.I.G. Like that's got to be my favorite as a as like a meat person. The Notorious P.I.G. is oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. my favorite. I have to admit that. Now everything on your menu has a different name. Is that just a concept that you just wanted? To kind of run with, or Actually, well, how that, did the names come up? That happened a lot because we ran a food truck for a little while, and people order food off a food truck based on the name, not because of what it is. Uh, food trucks, because they're doing small menus, they have these funky names. Well, even when we ran a food truck, we're just different. We ran a full-size uh, restaurant-style menu out of a food truck, and we renamed everything. And uh, it just stuck. We started having fun, just goofing off. And now I think the funnest part about creating a new item is coming up with a name and, you know, trying. We're pu- we push those boundaries, and hopefully we don't push too far. That's that's the goal and all of that. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick little break, get some sponsor time in here. Uh, again, Scholars and Scoundrels, given the address. Uh <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, sorry, the Katie location is 1251 Pin Oak Road, uh, Katie, Texas, 77494. And then our sugar location is 17101 West Grand Parkway South, Sugar Lane, Texas, 77479. That's right off 59 and 99. And then our Katie location is basically right behind Katie Mills Mall at Kingsland and Pin Oak. Okay, um, website? www.scholarsandscoundrelsbarandgrill.com Awesome. Go check them out. Come to the, one of the locations. Now, how are people able to get your food de- during the lockdown right now? So right now we're on Grubhub, but we also are, which should be going live here in the next couple of days, able to send you food delivery and to go through our website. 
Um, hopefully that'll be up sooner than later, um, but it should be up, up any day now. And it will be cheaper going through there than through Grubhub. Um, I'm not gonna lie, our prices on Grubhub are a little more expensive because they take so much of our money for the sale of it. But when we do it ourselves, we're not losing that much, so you'd actually be getting restaurant prices through that. Now, the delivery fee would be delivery fee, but that's the difference. All right, cool. All right, guys, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be back with part two where things get a little bit strange. And three, two, one. All right, y'all, we're back for part number two of A Little Bit Strange. Uh, guest today is Tony Pietranella. I don't even know why I said it like that. I don't know. <laughs> I had a few beers earlier. Leave me alone. All right, so second half, the way things go is we just start asking some random questions. Okay. And really like seeing what your answer is, like how you would break it down. So first off, I just got to ask, this is something that I like to ask a lot of people. What are your, like, your weird hobbies or favorite things to do? Something that not a whole lot of people know you do. I mean, aside from that weird thing you do with cat hair. <laughs> well, okay. I, weird hobbies and things I like to do. Oh, man, this is, uh, this is definitely something that I'm now trying to think of. So uh, keep it simple, but not necessarily what you're thinking. Like, of. are so, you a closet pro wrestling fan or? No, no. I am, first of all, huge, well, you want to go that, I'm a huge zombie and dinosaur fan. Okay. I love dinosaur. the idea. I love the idea of zombies and well, dinosaurs. Not, not the real, not I first off, I firmly believe that dinosaurs are probably closer to birds than other reptiles. I understand it. I've seen the science. I get it. Jurassic but I enjoy I Jurassic Park. Like I no, I want the lizard, dinosaur, T Rex, the small arms, and the Velociraptor, and all that. I want them as I grew up with them, and I I love dinosaurs. Um, you talk about anything dinosaurs, dude. I'm all in. Dude. I'm fucking all about it. All about Fair it. Enough. Well, that actually answers one of my other questions that I was going to ask: is which would you rather have, a zombie plague or an alien invasion? A zombie plague, dude, now, all why? day, every why? day. What's your zombie plague survival strategy? So, so first of all, I actually, this is actually one of my first questions when I start uh, dating a girl. I will message him. I was like, hey, the zombie apocalypse happens today. What do you go for first? Food. You go for food and water, shelter, or a weapon. Go. Uh, no, I already know. No, no, I'm I changed it. Hold on. I already, I changed the question. I asked you. You're going to answer, answer a question yeah. with a question. Good yes, job. Good job. Hey. Me, personally, I'm going to go with food and water. That's food? the most immediate need. See, I would go for shelter. Cause you can, so, first of all, you can last for a couple of days without water. You can last for an extended period of time without food. So, if you can find shelter, you can at least you get can yourself away. You can shelter anywhere, though. Yeah, but, you, again, we're talking about when zombie apocalypse first happens. Think about it. Well, we're not talking about, hey, I watched The Walking Dead and I'm in a, in a world where all of a sudden zombies are thing. We're figuring out what zombies are. We are at the point where maybe it was not only a few days ago well, actually, where, where your friend, you're sitting on the couch playing video games with them and all of a sudden, like, man, I don't feel too good. Turns in, turns into a zombie, bites you, now you're a zombie. That's what we're talking okay, about, so zombie apocalypse. Like early I'm talking about early levels okay, when the mass hysteria starts then, to happen. Then there's an object, you, there's, a, there's an aspect that you forgot that you should probably secure before you do anything else. What? Transportation. If you can't get out of the cities, your survival yeah. rate would exponentially well, drop. Yeah. Well, again, that's the whole reason why I said shelter, because the first thing is sheltering outside the city. So get out. 
get out of high urban areas. How are you going to get out? Transportation. uh, uh, Well, again, I didn't add that. I guess I could ask. (laughs) I could add that into into that question. But so I would first, I first get shelter, and I'd get, I'd get as far out of the city as I can. My goal from where we're located is I would try to get around the Big Bend area, um, right, right around all the mountainous areas like the Fort Davis Mountains, things like that. There's fresh huge, water. Fresh water is fishing, huge. Hunting. It's very dispersed. You have you have an area where you can get lost very easily, and I think that's the kind of area you wanted where someone can get lost. The areas that you don't want to go to now without a satellite phone because you might get lost forever <laughs> is exactly where you want to go. Right. You know, right. and uh, find you Fight Island that Dana White's yeah. got. And, and I think go with that, I think start through, your I, own Mortal Kombat tournament. Exactly. And I think that with food and water and weapon, those all kind of come in come into place. Yes, usually um, because where you find food and water, you're going to find some kind of weaponry. Yeah. So and, and again, you can make weapons and you can hunt food along the way. And, and it's okay to run. I think, you know, I think people forget when it comes to a fight, it's okay to run from a fight. A fight that you, there's no chance to win. No, yeah. There's I, no yeah, chance. Yeah, I'm just, well, I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter whether there's a chance to win or not. It's okay to run from a fight. If me and you were getting a fight right now, and let's just say you it might getting cabin <laughs> fever. <laughs> no, no, no. But like, Talking let's just let, let's just say you know, hey, you know, I let's say I, I'm going to win this fight, and I know I'm going to win this fight. It's still okay to run away from it. It's okay to not fight. And I think well, I think di- okay, okay. There's a difference, and a lot of people can misconstrue this when you say run away. They're talking turn, run. Like you're scared or afraid. I'm talking there's, about holy crap! There's a snake. I'm gonna do two movements: a bow movement, a physical movement. I'm gonna shit and I'm gonna run. <laughs> shit, run! I'm talking I'm about. Not sure which order <laughs> you're in. Yeah. No, I, I'm talking. Fair I'm enough, literally. I when I say it's okay to run, it's okay. That is a natural Look, survival yeah. instinct. There's mm-hmm. fight, flight, and fight or flight. Fight or flight. There, that's it. That's yeah. It. Hold on. I feel like there's a third one. Let's no, see, it's a fight say or third flight one. response. It's fight or flight response. But anyway, you're, uh, again, third one is there's a third. I'm for, I feel like there's a third one, but I'm not sure. I can't. I can't comment on it. I'm not. A, I'm not a, a PhD or anything. Well, that just comes down to the. Okay, did you just shit yourself? Then yeah, that's the fright part. Yeah. Like, or the flight. That's the part. Like. No, no, I yeah, there, there, no, there is. There's flight, fright, and fight. There's fright where you don't move. Your body just freezes. There's a third part. You either you either fight, you run, or you freeze. Right. Well, that freeze aspect, a lot from a natural standpoint, a lot of people use that as a defense. Even animals can use yes. that as a defense. It's possible. Plays dead. Right, but still gets eaten by the neighborhood dog. I mean, um, there again, we're also talking about a zombie plague. You've got 200 things coming at yeah. you that the only. Oh, way I get. Like, when, when I when I was sitting there talking about, like I just, I just, I do think that people for, and I and I get it. There's a societal. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, Went you from want, zombie apocalypse. You to want to start talking about? Uh, is is people in society? They always say they down talk the person that runs away from the fight. But again, that that is a legitimate war strategy. Learning to retreat and learning how to do that is a war strategy. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's a difference between retreating and surrendering. Yes. Uh, No, 100%. But, again, when you're talking about trying to find shelter and making weapons and going, everybody wants to get the shotgun and shoot the zombie's head off. No. I don't think that's the most important thing. Okay, so what do you think is the most important weapon if we were to have a zombie apocalypse? What type of weapon do you think is the one thing that you should have? Bow and arrow. Why? Because it's silent and I can remake arrows. I can hunt with it. I can kill with it. I can go through it. Now, a lot of people are going to say a knife. 
because a knife can you can cut, you can chop, you can do all those type of things. But with a knife, it's limited range and it's a lot harder to hunt. So for me, spear, put it on the end of a stick. Like, yeah, but you're getting you're still not chopping, you're still not doing all that right, stuff. Right. I, I just I just think the 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 level of hunting just goes down. Now you can you can fish, which I think it, but I think uh, when it comes Those down to long term, hunt pig all the time. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I mean that's that's a legitimate thing. I, I don't. Mean, I don't. You you asked me. I said my my thing is I would go for a bow. Well, I'd want a bow. I'd want a bow in a knife. You know. Yeah. You know. Pristine world. But if you're making me pick one, I think a bow because. I can hunt with it because the longevity I can of what it yeah. provides. Yeah. Like I don't. Okay, guns are nice, cool, great, awesome. I know how to shoot them. I know how to use them. But ammo runs out. Yeah. Like, and in actuality, even compound bow arrows would run out. You need what they call the recurve, the single string bow yeah. that you can make arrows for. But there again, that's that's assuming that it even gets to that point because. We don't know how we would even react to something like that. I mean, look at how we're reacting to a highly contagious flu virus. The thing about this, this is this is technically if this was zombie apocalypse, this is how quickly it gets here. It was oh, a zombie apocalypse would get much faster because yeah. it's an instantaneous thing. Well, it all depends. Again, I've seen. Okay, you've so you've told I've you asked me my two things. I've done zombie uh, zombies and dinosaurs, but I was like, you have a. You uh, you have some zombie where they say you turn a zombie instantly. You have some where it's it's like more like a rabid, like a rabid virus. It's an infection. Um, it, it's it's going to be somewhere in between. I don't think it's. I definitely don't think it's like what The Walking Dead is. I love The Walking Dead. I love The Walking Dead because it shows stereotypes of people and how they react in those right, situations. Right. Right. Um, the zombies aren't the ones that you've got to worry about. It's the other people yes. that you have to oh, worry 100, about. Oh, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, because I would trust a random tiger more than I would trust a random human. Yeah, and well, the thing is also is is again Except we that, all that we all Mitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> we all covet human interaction, so we're going to want to group up no matter what. You're never going to want to be. There's very few people that are it's cool being. It's the safety being, in numbers being the, the mammalian wolf. side of our brain. George Carlin put it best: a human brain is broken down. You have the mammalian side that has feelings and cares and thoughts and hopes and dreams. But right below that, you have the reptilian side of the brain that is like, can I fuck it? Nope. Can I eat it? Nope. I'm going to kill it. And that's, that's the truth of it. If people regress down to that reptilian side of their brain, all bets are off. All bets are off. We, that would bring about a level of violence that human beings have never seen before. I was, you know, when all this came down, we were maybe a week into quarantine. And uh, I went to get to go food at a place and I'm waiting on my to go food and the lights blinked. And I was, remember I was there with my, uh, with actually with my GM, I'm sitting there and they blinked and they came on and they cut off and I cut off for maybe about two or three minutes. And I remember looking over and I'm like, you ready to see shit hit the fan? And he's like, what? I'm like, if this stays here for more than an hour, like it's going to be it. You're going to see what it's going to be like to see you playing it. Cause I'm ex at that point in time. Right. I'm like, this right here to me is more than just this little bitty area. I don't know if this is, this is just our place or it's it's everywhere. Right. But if it's everywhere, like you need to start like. And I don't think he registered yet. I'm like, if this stays, you need to start preparing. You talk about hoarding guy. You need like you're gonna start seeing people go into survival mode. And when they first go into it, 
you have so many people that don't understand what it means yet, that's where it's dangerous because they don't. Right. The, they the, have no idea what the, the, it would the take. Beta, the betas of the world are going to panic like mother truckers. Oh, they're going to panic, and the alphas will feed. And Yeah. and, and yeah. Well, you're going to have a lot of betas that are going to come up on top, but the alphas... The alphas are going to have have this plan that you know, saying that they're going to ones that end up following. And hopefully, you don't. The ones that you're scared of are the ones that have these betas that think they're an alpha that are going to be going around killing everybody because that's right. what they feel like they need to do. Right. Because when I it comes when it comes down to primal instincts, if you watch dogs in a pack, the beta is always challenging the alpha male through violence and aggression because the ideas are supposed to be able to protect. So that's all betas know how to do. Right. It's and a challenge through violence. There's also aspects like people don't think about most of humanity would be wiped out within a year just because of lack of medication. Never yeah. mind add in the fact that six months after it all shuts down, who's taking care of the nuclear power plants? They'll start yeah. to go critical, and they will eventually blow up. Food will rot. Nature will take back. I mean, they show it in Chernobyl and all kinds of abandoned places. Yeah. Nature definitely takes back what we take, mm -hmm. if given the right circumstances. I mean, you've got animals in the middle of Chernobyl that are learning to survive with radiation. You don't think that we could be gone and they would still survive? That's a very egotistical part of the human brain. So, but, I mean, there again, we're also talking zombie apocalypse. Yeah. People, what we consider normal everyday aspects, that's going out the window. Yep. So when humanity as a whole flips into survival mode, things are going to get scary. Have you ever heard of the Firefox series? Firefox. I think it's Firefox. Pretty sure it's Firefox. So there's a group, uh, this is back in the Appalachian Mountains. This is back in like the... 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, but like, do you know how to make butter? Butter, yes. Like truly churn butter, you know how to make a churn. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of these. Well, then things. again, I come from a redneck family, yeah. so. But there's a lot of these things to where it's like every day that's become so custom that machines make and blah blah. blah. We don't know how to make from scratch anymore. Right. And so what they did is they took these students and they went up to the mountains to the mountain people, right. And they would they they made a log of everything, whether it's how to make butter, how to, you know, how to, how to make a hook, you know, like like just you know the base idea, like hey, this is how we we survive all the land. This is how we do it. How do you find running water? Blah blah blah. And it's Firefox series. And I've always I've always said I was like the first thing, one of the first things they want to do, right? And everybody goes to, well, we're gonna raid the grocery store. We're gonna raid this. And I was like, yeah, I go, I'm gonna raid the library. And I was like, dude, and I'm going to get a group of people, right? And I'm going to all group. And I go, there's going to be one person. You're learning medicine. Yeah. You're learning every natural medicine there possibly is. When, you're, when you wake up, some people go gather, you read the book. Like, why in the zombie apocalypse TV shows are not one person? That's all they're doing. Well, the whole You just look for a doctor. Oh, hey, I'm a doctor. No, no, no. But the problem you need with to read. that is, and this is something we're seeing with first responders now. I have a friend who's an ER nurse. Yeah. And... They tend to go that in times of distress like that, the longevity of those people in those lines of work exponentially drops yeah. because they're doing something that others just aren't wired to do. They're trying to help people. Yeah. And by helping people, you will almost always put yourself and in harm. Yeah, you're putting yourself in danger. Right. You know, it, but again, that's the difference between again, those that run when, from when a it fight come, when and it comes down to this, when it comes down to all this stuff from or COVID 19, and we look at the numbers. I really want to see the infection rate of 
uh, show me the infection rate of the the hospital workers, the first responders. They they're infect how many of these infected? These numbers are because of them because they're in front of it every day. Right. You know. Why and can't they get a test? But yeah. we have a basketball team that every single employee can get tested twice. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Again, this is a different time and. Yeah, you know, a different, different, and you're, com different you're comparing an influenza strain to a zombie apocalypse. Like, again, people coughing in your face is a little bit different than think, someone trying to eat your you know, face. I think when it comes down to it, and you know, you talk about why these are my hobbies. I, I think the thing I would enjoy the most, and like, first of all, I I love the restaurant business. And I love the ideas of the restaurant business, not the money. Again, I'm not a money-driven person. I never have been. Like, hopefully, I always say I do stuff and money will come come my way, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're smart enough and you do it right, you can learn to make money doing the things you love, and, you know, you can be smart with it. But when it comes down to it is I really kind of want to go base back as when you wake up in the morning, you got to do the things that you have to do to survive. Not right. about making money, not about buying a T-shirt you want or – maybe buy those pair of Jordans, but well, I actually have to do what I need to survive. So I have to go collect food. I have to go collect water. Okay, but see, I have to back do, to what I have you to were saying things, earlier yeah. about the, the well, who's who knows how to make butter? Who can make hooks? There's also physiological things that people don't aspect as well. Where are you going to find salt? Yeah. Like, how do you get your salt in your diet? The one thing that if your body has too much of, it'll kill you, and not enough of, it'll kill you. You yeah. have to have it. Mm -hmm. You have to. Where are you going to get that from? That that gets thrown in right there with the fresh source of water, fresh source of food. Now, food can be any number of things from plants to animals and whatever you need it to be. Eat moss if you have to. You'll survive. And generally, your body will find something that it needs. Yeah. But we've become so dependent on being able to go to one market and find it mm -hmm. or go to one location and oh it's just only a dollar 99 it's okay yeah. a lot of that stuff will affect numbers but it would have to collapse to a major point it would have to be something so drastic and so fast that we didn't have time to react or it would have to be something that slowly played itself to the point of destruction for us so, I don't know. It's an interesting idea on how it all works, um, you know, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so, along the lines of, like, the zombie apocalypse and all that, and, like, that's kind of one of your little your little Yeah, yeah now, that, now that we've gone on my little No, 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 my so what are you afraid of? Like, yeah. what, like what, what scares you? What really what scares you? Like, scares I, and it could be something as stupid as snakes, or I'm afraid of roaches, whatever. But like, what really gets you to the point to where you're like, I can't take this. I have to run. First of all, I'm slightly afraid of heights, and when I say that is because first off, I'm six foot seven. So, what you see as a six foot male, I'm seven inches higher, and I think that seven inches makes a difference. By the way, so I'm slightly afraid of heights. Um, what really scares Six me? inches always makes a big difference. <laughs> what really scares me? I, I don't know. I don't know. I've always tried to confront my fears. Uh, I started doing karaoke to confront my fears. I had a fear of public speaking, so how was I going to get over it? So I started 
fucking making myself do karaoke. I know. So, I've, I've witnessed yeah, this and many It's not times. good. It's not pretty, but I get up there and I do it. And we might I, do a musical yeah, wonder we, toast. Whatever, you know? Like, hey, hey, I do it. Like, I get up there and I do it. I went skydiving to find my fear. So if I come with fear of it, I challenge it. And I try to push through, um, kind of say the least. So. Okay, fair enough. But, I mean, like, you're at least willing to s- recognize mentally you have an issue with something and deal yeah. with that issue. The only thing that I've ever, like, seen to freeze on is heights, and I still will, like, I, I will start to buckle up and freeze and, and during situations. But you went but, skydiving. But I went skydiving. But skydiving isn't like the, it's not what you think. Okay, so you're it's talking, like, it's you're like, talking it's like, like someone taking a leaf blower and blowing it in your face. And the whole time. The whole time. That's really you don't feel you don't feel like you're falling because you're so far up. Like I'm more afraid. I'd be more afraid of bungee jumping now, or again just jumping off a low roof that I know I'd be okay on. I'm more afraid of that. You ever been to Jacob's Well? No. Jacob's Well in Austin. So it's like this. It's cave, right? And well, it's it is a cave, but it's so it's this riverbed and it has a cave underneath that's like water, blah blah. But so you had this big giant rock that's probably about, I don't know, maybe 15 feet, 20 feet in the air over the water, just at water level, right? Mm-hmm. And then the cave goes down about another 20 feet. So when you're standing there and you look down, you're looking down 40 feet, but it's a hole that's maybe 20 by 20. <laughs> and, but it's terrifying because I'm not looking at the riverbed, which is only 20 feet high. Okay, I could survive just to jump all there, maybe break a knee. Now I'm looking 40 feet down trying to jump off into this hole. I did it. It's full of water. It's full of water, but I did it. I did it. It's full of water. You know what, dude? That's terrifying to me. I'm sorry that you're okay with it, but, hey, it's terrifying to me. But it's that's what I'm getting. Like, it's water. Now, I get jumping onto, like, land from that high or jumping across something, like, a 1,000 feet in the air. I get that, like, freezing up on that. But that's, like, diving. (laughs) Like... I don't. I, then I'm probably not good at diving. I never climbed up to the top top diving board. Yeah, that's definitely. true. That's true. So and I don't know. I'd probably be exactly the same way there, dude. But it was you'd terrifying. You'd probably bring up your old shit and run theory at that yeah, point. I Just did, stand up there yeah. and then, then be the real clear if I did a bowel movement and then jump. That yes. would be even more. Awkward. Then not only is the diving board getting shut <laughs> down, but the school, <laughs> the neighborhood, the pool. Yeah. Poor little Timmy will never be the same. <laughs> okay, so. Earlier, you said that uh, you wanted to be like a basketball coach and all that. So, what's your best sports memory? Oh, my best sports memory. Uh, my best sports memory, actually, if I'm picking picking it, is actually watching a game. I'll never forget it. It's Rockets, Spurs. I hate the Spurs today because of this. And uh, Rockets are down by two. And they do a fadeaway pick on Vernon Maxwell. Vernon Maxwell runs aside. They throw it to him. Vernon Maxwell. Maxwell goes up for this three. And Vinny Del Negro straight up shoves him while he's in midair. Just straight, boom! And he sinks it. And we win the game. And the cops got called on us. I never get this. It was me, my mom, my brother, my dad. We're watching this game. And the cops got called on us for screaming because they won the game. <laughs> and we were being loud. So the cops got called. So that's my out – of, out of every sports memory I've ever that's watched. That's just a great life. family memory. Oh, man. In and of like, that, that is my favorite sports memory. Now, when it comes to me playing, um, I've hit a lot of last-second shots in my life. But I think my favorite sports memory – it's favorite slash worst is the one that I never took. 
uh, we were playing uh, we were playing Sexton Baptist, and we are tied. Game's tied. And there's 11 seconds left, and I get the ball. Now, again, I'm 6'7". A lot of people think, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the, the power forward. So I was, I mean, I played shooting guard, point guard when it, when it came to a lot of stuff. So I got the ball. I'm at top of key. I got him. And I'm like, man, I had this guy taken, man. I, I already was taking him all day long. This guy couldn't stop me. I'd already dropped like 30 that game. And uh, anyway, I get him beat. I cross him over. Did I go? And I'm right outside of top of key, and I got to pull up. And as I pull up, I got like three guys jumping with me. But I'm above them. I'm good. They're not going to block my shot. And I glance down. The second guy, second best guy on my team, he's a little sophomore kid. I was a, I was a junior, he's a sophomore. And he's wide open under the basket. And I got enough time to pass on the ball. So I, I pass it. Instead of taking a shot, it's a shot I man, I make nine times out of ten. And I go to pass it to him. He's wide open. He's got a layup. I'm like literally going through the numbers <laughs> in my head. I'm, I got three guys that's jumping a, around a me. Yeah, shot. I'm up above, dude. Shot. I'm like, man, this is jumper. But I'm like, he's wide open. So I go to pass it. And that guy gets fingertips on that ball. And missed it. Deflects it just enough. He never gets the ball. We go into overtime. And we lost by four in overtime. Uh, we lost by four in overtime because a couple fouls um, that were just stupid fouls. And you know that uh, it wasn't even wasn't even else. one of those ones where they beat us. They were stupid fouls, and we lost the game. And all I kept thinking about, man, just should have released it. I had nightmares about that. <laughs> but it is my favorite sports memory. Like I again, I my adrenaline gets pumping. Like I actually enjoy talking about that story. A right, failure, right. I enjoy talking about it. But I think you learn the most from your failures. I'm actually not mad about the decision I made. You know, because again, I was never that selfish. I was never that conceited. That I knew, no, it's a team sport, and. You know, I made the wrong pass, but not the wrong decision. Does that make sense? No, 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 not yeah. at all, not at all. Being a leader, you make sure that the others around you are better. Yeah. And that's exactly what you were doing, was so, you were yeah. trying to make somebody else better, which is an admirable trait to have. So, like, who were your sports heroes growing up then? Like, who did you try and emulate the most while you were playing? Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, everybody wanted know, to be Jordan. I know, I know, but do you... Do you appreciate Michael Jordan like I appreciate Michael Jordan? Jordan is a once-in-a-generation talent. Oh, Michael Jordan. I, personally. I, I'm going to give you. Okay, I'm going to tell you the reason why I think he's my Numbers are numbers. I'm talking I'm not, straight I'm not, play. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about character as a man. Michael Jordan had this refuse-to-lose mentality. Now, there's a difference between getting beat and, and losing, right? Getting beat means a person across – Cross from you is better, right? If I go try to fight Mike Tyson, right, I'm not going to beat Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's going to beat me. I didn't lose to Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson just whooped my Mike Tyson just that's just what happened. But if I'm versing someone that's maybe just slightly better than me or or at the same level of me, it's that refusing to lose. It's this gear. It's this idea. Hold on, let me finish what I want to say and then you can say. So we're gonna go back to zombie apocalypse because I love zombie apocalypse. So we're we're in the, we're in this just we'll just say parking lot. We're in a parking lot. It's you. You got your weapon, and all of a sudden you're surrounded. Hundred hundred zombies. Just you, a hundred zombies, and you're sitting there. And it's that moment that I'm not gonna die today. That you just say in yourself, I didn't give I could have given up, I was gonna lose, hey, blah, blah, but I'm not gonna die today. 
Well, and I go, that was the mentality that Michael Jordan had, which is why he never lost in the finals, which is why when you watch him play in some of these games where he can have the flu game, it's, I'm not going to lose today. And that mentality, right. I, I, that, that was lose. the greatest like, I, thing that, I, I that. As, as a role model that I've ever learned is that I don't care what you put me up against. I'm not going to lose today. I'm going to fight through it. Now, it sucks, and, you know, like, hey, we'll all get down. But as a role model, that was the greatest treat that he ever that, – that, that any person that any person outside of Kobe Bryant I've ever seen anywhere close to has had that right. I, I, um, I'm not that big of a basketball and, and, fan. I will admit that. And Kobe is the only one – I've watched basketball. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Kobe's the only one that I could ever compare Jordan to with that refuse-to-lose mentality, that I'm going to win. I don't care what you throw at me. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you lose. But that's the spirit of competition. That's the way competition should be. You should play your hardest. You should work your hardest to make sure that you come out on top. But if you don't come out on top, it just means you have to work harder. Yeah. So, and then I guess the other person, there's this guy, Steve Smith. He played for the Miami Heat. And there are a lot of basketball Steve references. I, I, played, I played basketball. Steve Smith, he played for the Miami Heat way back in the day. Right. Back in the early nineties, okay. he was a shooter. He was good. He made me. I, I'm pretty sure he made All Star team. I was thinking Kenny Smith from the no, Suns. No, 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 no. Steve, Steve Smith was my boy, and he was the first person that I realized had given back. He uh, he set up a foundation under his mom's name to give back to to like people that are having like the homeless, the getting homes, and the getting people under getting roofs over their head. Gotcha. Um, from what I remember. Now, again, again, I was young, so who knows that in Red Rat. I know that he's giving back. And the fact that this guy had all this money, but he wasn't the richest, and he's willing to give back. Now right. I know it's all it's all for tax purposes and yada, yada. Smoke and mirrors, but, Smoke hey, and mirrors. But I, I learned it, and so it was always something that I wanted to make sure that I do. He was always, you know, he, he's that guy in, right. in my heart. So. You, you can win all the championships you want, but to truly be immortal is how you m leave your mark outside of the game. But those those are uh, those are my sports idols, those two right there. Okay, so we're getting close to time here. Uh, Got to ask, what's your favorite conspiracy theory going around right now? Because there always seems to be a new one coming out any oh, day. The coronavirus is man-made. I don't know if you realize that, dude, but that's, that's a real thing. <laughs> okay, that's break it just, down for me. Break it down true. for me. What do you got? Well, what do you Wu, think that? Well, so the Wuhan, first off, that Wuhan area, I think that's how you say it. Wuhan. I'm not trying to be Wuhan. But, uh, but they have an experimental uh, lab down there for experimental diseases. Yeah, right next that's to the uh, I go, second off, uh, if market. you were going to make a virus to make it, Somewhat deadly, you'd have won a long incubation period, so people had it and they didn't know it, so they'd spread it right. So that's why it makes me long. I think it was something that they were playing with and got out earlier than they wanted to. Like, do you so, so do you think it was an accident or do you think it was intentional? Oh, I think it was an accident, but I think it was a man made disease, right? Okay, the more and more I look into it, I think it's man made. That's my favorite conspiracy, conspiracy theory. Um. Uh, I also think that possibly the NBA is not 100% legit, but that's a – Well, it's professional I'm not going to get into that. I, professional sports are just as bad as politics. They're not nah, You know, I've watched enough of the NFL, and because it's one game, it's really hard to manipulate one game. Um, I do think they do it somewhat, but I think it's hard. I think when it comes to NBA and you have a seven-game series, you can make it – you can choose a winner with enough referee help in a seven-game series because the teams are close enough. Well, um, baseball, and, same and thing. They, you know, and the couple times that they haven't, 
again, when it was like Detroit and San Antonio, I think it was one year, and you talk about the ratings. Or no, it was Cleveland and San Antonio. When you talk about the ratings that year, like they were, they were horrendous. And that was because somebody broke what they thought they could do. So, right. Well, know. I mean. It is all about making money. It is. And it comes it down is. to the day. So. Well, it's like what they say about the NFL. You must protect the shield. Well, the shield is the league. Okay, I get protecting the league, but for the longest time, the league wasn't protecting any of them. Yeah. So. But I also think they didn't know. Like again, the more the more people you have going through it, the more the more you know. I do. I think they hit stuff. Yeah, probably. But. Okay, so we're gonna do some little rapid fire questions here, just random yeah. stuff. Uh, favorite movie to watch? Give some. The is, shooter. Is the shooter. Yeah. Is the shooter or the prestige? One or the other, dude. I love those. But you want to talk about comedy and things like quote the most Tropic Thunder. That survive. Yes. Survive. Yes, that's I gotta admit that one. Okay, uh, favorite type of music coming out right now. Like favorite artist right now. Oh, favorite artist right any now. Kind, any kind of um, genre. Um honestly, the song I jam to most, and y'all are gonna judge me for is that new uh Haley or song or I'm so glad I didn't have kids with you. Like, that comes on. I don't know why, but that's my jam. Uh, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. We all have. Uh, I'm yeah, so glad yeah, I didn't okay. stay with that one. It's okay, but that's, uh, that's okay. where I'm at. Um, favorite NFL team? Uh, Texas. Favorite NBA team? Rockets. Favorite Major League Baseball team? Astros. Okay, so H-Town all the way around. H-Town, I like that. It's favorite college team? I mean, obviously. Oh, this changes. I don't follow college teams. I follow As college As you're wearing coaches. a Longhorns jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, this is actually really comfortable. But I follow college coaches. Like, I'm a huge I'm Mike D'Antoni fan. The, the or I think that's his You think Shaka fan. Smart is as D'Antoni. good as everybody seems no, to think he I is? I never thought he was when he went from BCU to UT. Um, who, do you think, who do you think is the most underrated coach out there right now? Oh, underrated coach. Oh, man, that's really good. I'm not as <laughs> as up-to-date as I used to be a couple years ago. Uh, I think um, – I actually think Lane Kiffin is underrated for what he's been through, where he's at now. Um, I, I'd probably stick to him. Like, he's really, really good. But um, he's really, really but underrated. But he's really, really – crappy person so right you right, know it is right. what it is you take him you take him you leave him okay stuck on an island what's the one thing you want to have a knife no 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 no. i'm talking like luxury <laughs> item not survival <laughs> item what's the one luxury oh, item you would love to have man uh what's the one the one uh can i get a vacuum seal package so i can vacuum seal my meat uh man i don't know man what would i have to have on a Am I by myself or do I have people with me? Um, by yourself. We'll say by yourself. You're stranded on a tropical island, but you you've got plenty of food, plenty of water. What's the one thing that you want? Uh, company. (laughs) (laughs) Easy women. Yeah, yeah, whatever, man. Strong booze and easy women. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that question, man. All right, fair enough. I like I I really can't tell you because again, I, I don't not a huge TV person. I mean, I, I like music, but I don't like. It's not like it's a, it's gonna kill me if I don't have it. So, what are the luxury items that you're talking about? A hot tub? Why would I want a hot tub on a beach? Like a, the ocean? So telephone, uh, communicate with people. Yeah. Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was asking. I was giving you survival tips, and you're like, no, you don't want a knife. Can I get a satellite phone, please? That has sure, access that's to fine. If that's what you want, as you're stranded. Well, it's on what your, I want now. <laughs> you're stranded on your tropical island. Yeah. You get that. That's fine. 
I personally am going to stick with the strong booze and loose women. Can I get a boat? <laughs> there you go. Hey, Fishing boat? Hey, there you go. I can get all the island. I don't know if it would be, a, you don't get like an, a, a yacht. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to try. Okay, uh, strippers, love them or hate them? All right. I like it. I like the idea of don't take them away from me. <laughs> Please. But I'm not running to a strip club tomorrow. You know right. what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Fair enough. <laughs> uh, it's like my gun rights, dude. I might not own a gun. Place in the world but... that you've never been that you want to go. Uh, I want to go spend – I want to spend three months in Europe. I don't want to just spend like a week or two. I want to go over there and really experience the culture. Okay. Like that's... anywhere specific? Uh, well, because Europe's so small, and we grow up in Texas. Like, I can literally get from Paris to Spain the same time I take it from here to Austin. Yeah, so, that is a, that I've so it's hard for me to say, oh, man, I, you know, I just want to see Spain. Uh, so I say, when I say Europe, I figure I can get everywhere in a couple of I have, uh, have a few friends from California that never really figured that out for a while. That It's like what you do to go from half a state away, like you go from Southern California to the top of Northern California, it's only like a few hours drive. I'm like, dude, you can't even get across Texas in that. Yeah, or the 12, East Coast friends. It's 12 hours from El Paso to Houston. Well, the, my East Coast friends are even more weird about that because they don't realize that up there, you drive four or five hours, you're three states over. Here, you drive four or five hours, and you're maybe one metropolitan area away. Yeah. And that's a weird thing that a lot of people don't realize about Texas. But it's one of the main things that I love about it. Uh, thanks, Tony, man. I appreciate it. One more time, give us the address for the KD location. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that one. Uh, 1251 Fin Oak Road, uh, KD, Texas. Okay. And your uh, number two location recently opened. Congratulations uh, on Sugar that. Sugar Lane. It's right off 59 and 99. It's 17101 West Grand, Gar West Grand Parkway South. Okay. And website? www.scholarsforscoundrelsbarngrill.com Guys, check them out. Go see them. You're not going to regret it. Hell of a good, good food. Hell of a good service. Just an all-around awesome, awesome business. Thank you, Tony. Chad, shout out to you as well. We're going to have you on here as a guest soon. He's Get got a big heart. <laughs> He's got a big heart. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. It's broken. It's all good. Chad, love you, buddy. Thanks to everybody from Scholars and Scoundrels. Come check them out. Get the orders to go. It's food you're not going to be disappointed in in any way, shape, or form. And if you are, Tony's there to help out. Thanks again, Tony. I appreciate it, man. We'll do this again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man.